This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. I, I, I think that this team will be the number three seed in the Eastern Conference. Now, that's pending no significant injury happening, which we saw them avoid last year until, you know, late in the season where Julius Randle hurt his ankle. We know, you know, Jalen Brunson got nicked up as well. But I really like this Knicks team, especially during the regular season. Unfortunately, because of Dame going to Milwaukee, Drew Holiday and Porzingis going to Boston, their ceiling in the postseason is right where it was last year, where they can win a first round, but they're getting bounced in round two because they're not beating Milwaukee or Boston. But I think they're going to be fun. They're going to be really good during the regular season. I, If you're a Knicks fan, the individual pieces have to excite you. And because the collection of talent fits so beautifully together, and you've got a head coach in Tom Thibodeau who's still really good and you know has to show you something— this season because he's got two years left on his deal and you know at the end of this year they're going to be talking contract extension. I think that this team can come together and flirt with 47, 48, 49 wins this year. And that could be good enough, should be good enough for the number three seed. And there are a couple of things working in their favor. So on the team itself, Jalen Brunson in year two should be an all-star this year. I mean, the the better, like the more you watch him play, the more you realize what a gaff that was by Mark Cuban and, and, and the Dallas Mavericks. But Jalen Brunson should be an all-star this year. I know fans have this love-hate relationship with Julius Randle, but he's a 2010-5 and five guy and going to be flirting with being an all-star again this year. He's a baller. And I love listening to him say, that he wants to cut down on his three-point shooting. Not that he can't make those shots, but he knows he's, that he, he should be in the painted area. He's strong. He's, he's physically gifted. He's an excellent rebounder. Live in the paint. That's going to open up the three-point shooting for your guys. And speaking of the three-point shooting, Dante DiVincenzo, 3 and D guy coming from Golden State who I don't know if he's going to start, but when called upon to do so, when called upon late in games, not going to be afraid of the moment. Versatile wing. You got Mitchell Robinson coming off what I thought was a really good season. Emmanuel quickly playing for a contract. He was fantastic during the regular season last year. Fell off a cliff in the playoffs, but he was really good. And then, you know, maybe, just maybe, you'll get R.J. Barrett finally get to that next level. But Josh Hart, uh, uh, yeah, everything tips once in a player. You get him for a full season. Quentin Grimes, another versatile defender who's a guard who can hit threes. I, 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 I just really like the makeup of this team over the course of a season. So that's working in their favor as far as their own roster. Then you look at the Eastern Conference. I mentioned Milwaukee and Boston. No one's touching them. But Philadelphia has this James Harden conundrum on their hands. And it's a conundrum because it's clear that the Clippers don't really want him. Like, if if Terrence Mann is coming in between you acquiring James Harden, then the writing on the wall is they don't really want him. So they've got to figure out what's happening because Daryl Morey has had to acquiesce. You remember when, when Harden first demanded this trade? 
Maury's like, I'm only trading him if I can get an all-star caliber player in return. You're not getting an all-star caliber player in return. So he was ready to settle for a first-round pick, a pick swap, and Terrence Mann, which, you know, drastically falls short from what he was expecting to get. And, and so far, that trade has not materialized. Harden skipping practice, skipping preseason games, and now you've got a disgruntled guy who probably won't be around your team, but holding a roster spot for an organization that should be having aspirations of winning a championship. You've got the reigning league MVP. So it's just a mess going on in Philadelphia. And Tyrese Maxey, he's he's a, another really good player, but he's, he can't be the second best player on a championship team. So I think the Sixers still can be really good because of all the, the faith I have in Joel and B to keep the ship afloat. But until they figure this James Harden situation out, that's going to just be hovering over them. And, and what kills you too is you bring in Nick Nurse, a coach who's won a championship, who you feel can change the fortunes of this franchise, and now you got to deal with this garbage. But, you know, that's working in the Knicks' favor. And we can talk about, like, what it means long-term and beat asking out, could he make his way to New York? But the Knicks can be better than the Sixers. You've got the Heat, and an underrated part of the offseason for Miami was they lost two key rotational pieces in Struess, who went to Cleveland, and Gabe Vincent, who went to my Lakers. Like, those guys were awesome for them during their improbable trip to the finals. But it was lost in the sauce, right? Like the whole Dame Lillard sweepstakes. We, we, it was like a foregone conclusion. He was heading to Miami, and Pomati Jones had the line of, <laughs> he had the best line. He was like, yo, imagine getting on a plane you think is heading for South Beach, and you end up in Milwaukee. <laughs> Life comes at you fast. But So they, they were all in on Dame. They lost two key guys. They didn't get Drew Holiday. As much love as I've got for Spolstra, one of the what, 10 best coaches in NBA history, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, I, I just don't know. Kyle Lowry's old. You know, you'll have Tyler Hero who got hurt in the playoffs last year. I just don't know that they have enough to be good in the regular season. And, and even with those guys last year, they weren't a good regular season team. They were a playing team. So the Knicks can be better than them. Cleveland should be better. I'm starting to think Evan Mobley might be trending toward that like overrated uh, portion of, of the graph. But uh, Donovan in year two there. You've got Struess, who I just mentioned, gives them some three-point shooting. That's a really good team. But the Knicks, uh, despite finishing lower than them in the seedings last year, waxed them in the playoffs in five games. Atlanta should be better. But there, uh, there you have it as far as, like, the six teams you expect to, to fill those top six spots. I think the Knicks can be better than everyone not named Milwaukee and Boston. So that's why I think the number three seed is attainable, and I have them getting there. That 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 has to be exciting for the Knicks fans. Because, like, you've, you've now created a stable situation where Bob Myers, former GM of the Warriors— now an analyst for ESPN speaking highly of them, saying how, like, you know, you hear players talking about wanting to go to play for the Knicks. They, they've, they've legitimized themselves as, like, a prime destination. Reggie Miller, here was his quote. The Knicks have to say, we've got the third best team. 
There is no slight to Miami, who was in the finals, and the Cavs, who the Knicks beat in the first round a year ago. We've got to say we're scratching on the door, and I absolutely agree with him. Last season, the Knicks were quietly carried by their offense, and the addition of Brunson helps that. But we've always looked upon as uh, you know Tom Thibodeau coached teams as excellent defensively. That was going to carry them, as it did a couple years ago when they made the playoffs. The defense wasn't as good during the regular season before they turned up in the postseason, but it was their offense with Brunson in the mix. I think only the Kings and the Celtics had better offensive efficiency than the Knicks last year. So that's that's quite the accomplishment. And I think your defense is going to be better. So that the, they, they have a, a truly high ceiling during the regular season. I think what happens in the playoffs, in addition to like this, the, the competition uh, being too... It's too much for them to overcome. I think... One of the knocks on Thibodeau is that he gets his guys to play with such a level of urgency during the regular season that it maxes them out, and they have no second gear to get to in the playoffs. So now, when you're up against those superior teams that are more talented, there's no second gear for you to get to. Now, also, part of that is, I guess, outside of those initial... Bulls teams with Rose and Noah and Gibson. Like, you don't really have the most talented team. So you're banking on effort and energy and tenacity and heart. Like, you're ba- no pun intended. You're banking on those things to carry you during the regular season where once you get to the playoffs, talent ultimately wins out. But I like this team. 800-919-3776. Let's go to my guy Spike in St. Pete. What's up, Spike? Hey, got the hoops now, man. This is good stuff. Finally, man. man. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, yeah, me too. You analyzed it perfectly. And here's the conundrum. And I was uh, got on with Patty at the end of the shift, and he knows the Knicks because he does the pre-post and halves. Um, or the breaks. Um, they're building it from the back end. They're missing Mikel Bridges and Eric Paschal from that. The, the two uh, Brunson played on both. Yeah. Over the you know, they have. See, the stuff you play ball. I'm sure you still play ball when you get a chance with two little ones, but I'm sure you you play ball. And there's a camaraderie where you play more, where you play with the guy. You know exactly where he's yep. going to be where to get the ball to him, who's going to back cut, who's going to be first to the screen, and who's going to be, you know, all that technical stuff I don't want to bore anybody uh, with. Yeah, there's also something, too, and it sounds silly, about liking the guys who you're playing with that helps with synergy, especially in basketball. Yeah. Absolutely. Fewer guys. Uh, I think Tibbs did a great job. He takes a lot of crap uh, because of the minutes played. You play your best players. Uh, I, I kidded Pat at the end of the show. I got on knowing it went to hoops, which is my time of the year. And the experiment with Sims and uh, Mitchell is not going to work unless it's the last play of the game and you're up by three. You yeah, know, uh, I don't like that lineup at all. Yeah, no, nah, that's... The, the Knicks have the best roster, one to ten, overall, but they don't have any of the top guys. Even though I do agree with you, I think they uh, they stole... Financially, they stole Jalen Brunson. Brunson, I've been watching him since Villanova. Uh, I have the history knowing Leon Rose and the Godfather. All that that stuff means nothing. It just means I'm local and I know a lot of stuff. 
forgetting stuff apart, but I love the way they play. If they could somehow decrease the minutes, even four to six minutes a game on guys like Randall, I like that he said that. He's one of the few athletes in this town that got away with something that most athletes don't get away with, with, with what he did. His behavior. Nah. Flipping up the fans. But he can put numbers up. And he's motivated. The trouble with Julius Randall, taking nothing away from his athleticism, Ty, nothing, is that when his offensive game goes bad, his defensive game suffers. And you mentioned Miami. Now, Miami, I'm happy that they didn't get um, didn't get Dame. Uh, but, uh, you know, Harrow was uh, the, the one-trick pony. I mean, put the ball on his deck. He's a great offensive player. Metric-wise, he's last or next to last defensively. He's a horrible defender. Yeah, he gets picked on. They, 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 oh, they, he's a, he's oh. a matchup to be exploited, especially he, late in games. Right. And, you know, initially, uh, you know how sharp you are, but Devin Booker had that on him the first couple of years, but he got better yeah. at it. And, and when, when Nick Nurse beat him, because the officials let through all their body uh, booker up. You know, I'm, I'm going off the tracks here, but I'll leave you with this. I think, uh, no, unequivocally, Boston and Milwaukee have, have eight to ten games on the whole. Yeah, again, I don't know what they're going to do. See, here's my, my conundrum again. And you mean Monty Williams, by the way, not Nick Nurse. You mean Monty. No, no, I mean when Nick Nurse won with Toronto, he bodied up, he had Drew Holiday body up Devin Booker, and they allowed it. They let, they played on, and that's how they beat them in that series in the finals. No, Toronto. No, Toronto beat the Warriors. You mean? Did didn't Toronto? Nah, they beat the the, the Raptors. Beat the Warriors in 2019. I was remember Kevin Durant tore his Achilles in Game Five. What what was the series where Milwaukee? I'm sorry. Well, Milwaukee, Milwaukee. Yeah, Milwaukee and the Suns were in the finals in 2021, and that was. That was uh yeah that 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 was that was uh Budenholzer against um against Monty Williams in the finals. Yeah. And I could do 2 hours on how Budenholzer was treated from a humanity standpoint, but I won't go down that road. My last few seconds. Yeah, you corrected me. Thank you. I appreciate the youth. But yeah, when 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 they understand and you play, when officials say play on and they allow it they allow it, not like the giant pass interference goal where they change the rules at the end of the game. When Drew Holiday was able to body up Devin Booker, and, and you thought Devin Booker would come back a little more muscled up from the waist. But the Knicks will be in most games. They they play bigger. they got too many 6'5 guys. And, but these guys, oh, the camaraderie is there. Deep ascent. So even watch him on Golden State last year. Yeah. He's a 3-and-D guy. He can, he can knock down a shot. Grimes has the prettiest shot on the team. If they run some side-out curls for him, he can square up. He's a, and I'll tell you, I watched Deuce McBride of West Virginia when he played for Huggins in the playoffs there. Yeah. And that kid yeah, I mean the they're lo- they're loaded. I appreciate the call, Spike. They they they're loaded. And to your point, without having the superstar, so as loaded as you can be without having one of the best players in basketball, because like all all these you know rankings came out this past week. All the publications put out their you know NBA player rankings. The Knicks ended up with like five in the top one hundred, but they don't have a top thirty guy. That's their problem. But it's something you know. It's something you know you're going to have to address at some point. Right now, just enjoy 
the fact that at least going into the season, you have a team that projects to be one of the best in the Eastern Conference. And how could you not be excited about that? 800-919-3776. We'll continue to take your phone calls on the Knicks. Justin Termini is going to join us. Sirius XM NBA Radio to go all over the league. I'm so excited. Tuesday, it all gets started. And then Wednesday, Knicks at home against the Celtics, a game you can listen to right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Nets, stand up. I think that this team can also, like, quietly be fun. I don't I don't know about, like, making the playoffs or or, or anything like that, but being in the conversation as a playing team, it, Ben Simmons, it's like year seven of us. You know, could Ben Simmons get back to all-star form? Because he's actually looked really good in preseason training camp. He put on some muscle. He, he's. We know that worst-case scenario, he's still one of the best uh, defensive wings in basketball. It's just offensively, like being allergic to the rim where you're three feet from the basket and you're passing the ball away. We saw a couple of highlights, him hitting fadeaways, you know, some some elbow fadeaways. If this guy can, you know, become Ben Simmons that he was in, in Philadelphia, which, again, could be, could be something that, I don't know, is far-fetched. Since it's been so, there's been too much elapsed time since we last saw that version of him. But if he can get anything or anywhere close to that, still play great defense. They've got Mikel Bridges. They've got some three point shooting over there. A team that you know, not no more drama. They're just playing free and happy with no expectations. I think they can be fun. But I did get this tweet from a net fan. Hit me up on Twitter at Ty D Butler. Uh, Al was like, yo, listening and enjoying your show, G, but a little too optimistic on the Knicks. I see them between fourth and sixth. That's not unfair, but if you see them between fourth and sixth, it means the three is not out of the, uh, you know, out of uh, out of the norm. You see them between fourth and sixth. That it's not beyond reason to say that they're the three seed, which is where I have them. Uh, taking a look at the Knicks. We're going to learn a lot about them early because that schedule is daunting. You remember the Jets' first six games? We talked about that for months. Knicks, so they're home on Wednesday against the Celtics. Then they go to Atlanta to play the Hawks. They go to New Orleans to play Zion and the Pelicans. Then they go to Cleveland. So that's three straight road games. Hawks, Pelicans, Cavs before returning home. It'll be a home-and-home with the Cavs. So they play Cleveland at home uh, for the first time since, what was that, game... Uh, game four of the first round. And then they go to Milwaukee to play the Bucks. home for the Clippers. Wimbayama comes to town on November 8th. Wimby makes his MSG debut, and then they'll play the Hornets and Celtics. So that's a tough uh, first 10-game stretch for the Knicks, who are going to see a bunch of playoff teams, a bunch of teams in the Eastern Conference, and, you know, some rising stars with Wimby and Zion, uh, so it's going to be tough, but I think this team, again, can be can be really good. I'm looking forward to watching them just because I think that if they stay healthy, their regular season is going to be impressive. Unfortunately, they're running into a juggernaut at the top of the conference when you have Drew Holiday joining a Celtics team that just two years ago was in the finals, and now it's Brown and Tatum with Drew and KP, and there's just so many different 
you know, matchup nightmares they present because adding Derek White and Al Horford, that's a six-man group now that all can shoot and all play defense. So there's a lot of switching that's done in the NBA. You're, what matchup are you hunting? If KP's healthy, he's, an, he's a great rim protector. Last year, he was excellent from beyond the arc. He can shoot. I think the, the first possession for the Celtics of the preseason ended with the ball touching everyone's hands and KP draining a three-pointer. And then Drew Holiday, even at his advanced age, he's, what is he, 33 now? Still the best defensive point guard in basketball. A game-changing defensive wrecker. And him with those guys, hopefully Jalen Brown has improved his ball handling. All the scoring, the, the spacing, the defense. Joe Mazzulla is still a big question mark because we saw him at times look overwhelmed, especially in the playoffs. But uh, that that team is loaded. Pains me to say, I'm not a Knicks fan, I'm a Lakers fan, so I... I despise the Celtics just as much as y'all Knicks fans out there. But that that's a team that I think, right, if I had to bet my money on a team winning the championship next year, and I got to be objective about it, I'd pick the Celtics. But you do have Milwaukee, who made the biggest splash of the offseason acquiring Dame Lillard. And the, the, the combo of him and Giannis is just so perfect. Giannis the other day saying, like, I've never been more open than I am now because you got to respect... The gravity of Dean Lillard's shooting, where it's similar to Steph, he can pull up from 30, from 35. So that keeps you honest, especially in a half-court offense. And he's a guy who we know only has one conference finals appearance on his resume. But we've seen, it, we've seen him in the playoffs hit big shot after big shot. He's twice ended series on clinching shots. Against the Rockets, against the Thunder. Remember the infamous wave goodbye to Paul George and company. So this guy has what it takes to hit big shot after big shot. Giannis still, you know, either his first or second best player in basketball. All-world defender. They brought Lopez back. Middleton, it does concern me that he's had multiple surgeries the last couple of years. So it feels like he's starting to break down. But if he's healthy, we know he's clutch. He can shoot. That's just going to be a clash of the Titans right there when you, when you look at both the Celtics and the Bucs. 800-919-3776. Sirius XM NBA Radio's Justin Termini joins us next. We preview the season. We talk about the Knicks, the Nets. We go around the NBA right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. NBA Today with Eddie Johnson from 4 to 7 on Sirius XM NBA Radio. He's in Utah right now. Took some time out to join the program to talk some hoops. What's up, JT? Yeah, usually I'm intoxicated when I do these spots, but I'm not today because it's, it's hard to find a beverage out here in Utah, so I got to do this one when I'm completely sober. What are you doing in Utah? I mean, the season's tipping off Tuesday. It's a big-time radio show Monday with previews and Tuesday. Like, what are you doing in Utah? Well, we're going to talk to, to Will Hardy and the Utah Jazz. we got to preview their season and wait for Danny Ainge's next big move because I know the Knicks want Embiid, but uh, uh, if the Jazz want him, the Jazz are going to get him because they got more assets than anybody else, I think, in the NBA outside of maybe Oklahoma City right now. So we're going to preview the Jazz upcoming season. Uh, you think Embiid wants to go from Philadelphia to Utah? 
I don't think Lillard wanted to go to uh, wanted to go to Milwaukee, but uh, he got sent there. So uh, it's not always up to the players. So don't sign these long term contracts. You don't want to end up uh, where a team wants to send you. So OKC in Utah, they got more assets than everybody else. All right, let's start here. Uh, the embarrassment that is James Harden, and it's funny because when you look at just the the, the regular season resume. It's one of the greatest, I, I can say, ever. Like, one of the greatest ever. An all-time great regular season player. You know, he's an MVP. Ten times over, he's an all-star. Seven times over, he's an all-NBA guy. Three times over, he's a scoring champion. Sixth man of the year, so he's very versatile. But then there's the playoff failures that, you know, has, has customarily bedeviled him. And now for the third straight time, he's quitting on an organization what have you made of James Harden and his saga, and what do you think is going to happen uh, with the Sixers and Harden? Yeah, well, in the postseason, number one, I don't know if you ever heard the Bob Myers quote, uh, the, the former GM of the Warriors, where he was talking about the difference between like a regular season player and a postseason player. If you haven't, if your listeners haven't uh, found it, uh, you go to like YouTube, I'm sure you can find it. But he basically talks about how the intensity picks up, guys are guarded more difficult, uh, and some guys just can't make that transition. And Harden's obviously one of those guys because he's a completely different player uh, in the postseason. And then in regards to you know what's going on right now, like I saw the commissioner come out recently. He was asked about Lillard and, uh, and James Harden, and he said, you know, this has been going on throughout the history of the league. And yeah, I understand it. We saw it in the mid-'70s with Kareem. I understand we saw it with uh, Wilt dating back to 1968 when he wanted out of Philadelphia like Harden wants out now, and he got shipped to the Lakers. But I'm going to have to respectfully disagree with the commissioner. We have never seen a player quit on three teams in the history of the sport. What he's doing right now is an embarrassment, especially just a couple of days prior to the start of the season when we got so many good storylines, including Wembenyama and including a worthy Knicks team that's finally good heading into the season for once. we got to talk about this clown. So, no, we've never seen anything like it, and I think it's disgusting. Where do you think he ends up? Like, isn't it sobering and very humbling for James? I, I gave you the like the, the regular season resume, and obviously we know the, the playoff failures. But he's still a he's still a great player, and for the Clippers, you know, when given the opportunity to trade for him, decided you know what we'd rather have Terrence Mann. Isn't that a slap in the face to Harden? Well, I mean, yeah, because first of all, I would say that they should give up Terrence Mann as much criticism as I have of James Harden. I mean, let's be honest, Terrence Mann is a guy that's not even going to get you double-digit scoring, and it's not like he's a 22-year-old prospect. He's 27, 27 right? years yeah. of age. Exactly. So pull the trigger, okay, on a deal like that. Uh, but in regards to, like, is that humbling for James Harden? I highly doubt it because, as you know, you've been around, like, some athletes and high-end guys sometimes. They just have nobody, you know, no, everybody's a yes man. So he's, like, probably completely oblivious to, to what's going on right now and blaming somebody else. It's never on him. Uh, so I'm not sure if it's humbling, but uh, uh, I think it's, uh, you know, I think it should tell him something. Uh, and I also think it is also stupid that uh, the Clippers just won't give up Terrence Mann for James Harden. Yeah, because like you think about it, it's such a pivotal year for the Clippers. Kawhi and, and Paul George are in walkers. So far, it's been a failure. You're opening up this brand new arena. You, you, you do have a, a, an NBA champion head coach with Ty Lue. So you figure that if this team can stay healthy, then maybe you can do something. I, I feel like they should be all in on, on James Harden. But, I mean, clearly there's some type of a divide and they don't want him. But you mentioned something uh, about the Knicks, and it's, it's what I, I just talked about. I feel like this is the first time in, in quite a while 
where you can come into the season with legitimately high expectations. Now, they're not getting past the second round just because they're running into either Milwaukee or Boston, but this is a team that's returning most of its core. You've got Brunson and Randall in year two together. You added Dante DiVincenzo, who's a 3 and D wing. Uh, you love having Josh Hart for an entire season. Like, there are a lot of R.J. Barrett, of course. Like, there are a lot of pieces here that you f- feel like fit collectively together. Where, I, you know, over the course of an 82-game season, I think they can really have some fun, make some noise, and be a really good regular season team. Yeah, they could finish as high as third. That one shocked me. I know Bobby Marks, the former Nets executive, now he's over at ESPN. Uh, prior to Milwaukee and Boston, I was saying like they could make the NBA Finals, and that was his pick. I'm sure now that Boston and Milwaukee have retooled, he won't say that. Even then, that was a little much. That wasn't going to happen. But you're right. Like the, the most important part is they're being smart, and they're not trying to expedite it. And they got winning players. Jalen Brunson is a winning player. It doesn't seem like he cares about statistics. I know that Josh Hart appears the same way. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo is the same way. And, yeah, those guys are all uh, coming out of, uh, you know, that Villanova program. But, you know, it does mean something. I think guys would want to play with those guys, uh, and they're accumulating assets. So it's the combination of we have the assets – uh, and we have guys that, that are winning players. So uh, I, it's the excitement of, yeah, we're not competing for a championship, but at least our front office isn't brain dead, and I think that's a, that's exciting for, like, a fan base. We're talking to Justin Termini of Sirius XM, XM NBA Radio. Hit him on Twitter, at Termini Radio. All right, Celtics Bucks. You're a Celtics fan. It's, it's nauseating. But I do feel like coming into the season, if I have to be honest, I look at like the top six players in your rotation with, you know, Drew Holiday, with Brown, Tatum, with uh, with White, with Horford, and, and with um, who's the next? Oh, Tatum, of course. I look at those guys and I'm like, man, like they all shoot, they all play defense. Like, there's so much flexibility there. Like, their ceiling has to be obviously winning a championship. But right now, if I had to pick a team to win. I feel like it's Boston. They were two years ago in the finals. They've upgraded. Last year you know, was, was a failure. But to get Drew Holiday, who I still think is the best defensive point guard in basketball with that unit, I, and you got to be feeling great, man. Yeah, because um, but well, then now there's the stress of the season, right? It's almost fun when you're like a, a Utah, uh, right, where I'm at right now, <laughs> or even the uh, even the Knicks, where it's like, hey, we're building towards something, and this will be fun. This is like you either win or, or you're miserable. But you're right, like I'm a pessimist, uh, and. Even as a pessimist, like, I'd never pick my teams, whether it's baseball with the Yankees or why would you pick the Yankees? They stink. And by the way, since some of the New York airwaves, uh, Brian Cashman, that's a joke. He's got a lifetime job. He should be the hell out. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I you're right. It. I mean, the top six, that's as good as it That's as good as good it gets in the NBA. And, yeah, they're thin. That's a concern. But look at Denver last year. Denver was a six-man team, maybe a seven, uh, because Christian Brown towards the end of the season was really good. And the Celtics have the best front six. Okay, maybe Phoenix has the best front three. Maybe the best duo is in Denver or Milwaukee. But one through oh, the six, Lakers. I think it's the Boston Celtics. Uh, the Lakers, I think, could come out of the West. It wouldn't shock me. I got five teams. They're one of them. It's Phoenix. It's uh, it's the Lakers, it's Denver, it's Boston, it's Milwaukee. Uh, anybody else would surprise me. I mean, the Clippers, if they moved for James Harden, all they had to give up was Terrence Mann, maybe them too. But back to the Celtics, I mean, yeah, Drew Holiday and Derek White is going to be one of the best defensive backwards we've ever seen in the history of the sport. They're a little thin with the bigs, but like you said, everybody can shoot, and as long as everybody stays healthy, 
they should win. And I don't even hate like a guy who like Peyton Pritchard mm-hmm. uh, and Sam Hauser who can really shoot. They're not great defensive players, but the seventh and eighth guy can can shoot. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you should be stoked if you're in Boston. How, you you brought up the Nuggets. Christian Brown was awesome, you know, toward the end of the season and in the playoffs. But they did lose Bruce Brown and Jeff Green. How significant is that for them? No, it's uh, it's massive because uh, he played a, a big role, Bruce Brown did, and I saw Calvin Booth recently with the comments he didn't want made public. Uh, you know, mentioned uh, he didn't think it was that big of a loss because Christian Brown could step in, and, and the second year guy there uh, as well could step in uh, in Peyton Watson. But I, I think it's a huge blow. I did I do think they might have got a steal here uh, deep in the draft with Julian Strother. I don't know if you've seen him shoot yet. He's had an awesome preseason, a little bit of an older rookie at uh, you know at 21. But, uh, you know, they're still the best five. Like, the best six might be Boston. The best five is probably Denver, if only because Nikola Jokic is on another planet. Like, there's Jokic, there's a gap, there's Giannis, maybe another gap, and then there's everybody else in the NBA. But they've got the best player in the league, uh, and they have the confidence, which, which Boston doesn't have because they've never done it before, plus the continuity, which Boston and Milwaukee and Phoenix don't have. So I think the continuity is another beneficiary, uh, beneficial thing for them. Most pressure of any team in the league entering the season? Oh, God. Uh, I don't know. Uh, let's see. Off the top of my head, uh, I would say player, I would say Joel Embiid because Jokic got crushed, right, the last couple of years for winning yeah. MVPs and not winning a championship. So is the same going to happen to him? Uh, you could look at, like, a weird team and say Cleveland not to win the title. But, you know, listen, I got a window here with Donovan Mitchell. He wants to go to the Knicks, even though I don't think the Knicks should want him. Uh, but uh, I think they're better off with Brunson and then adding a different piece. Uh, you know, how about Kevin Durant, your guy? Uh, like win a title outside of Golden State. So maybe it's them. Everybody's looking at them as a super team. Even though there might be better teams out there, I think like the, the generic public is looking at the super team being Phoenix. So let's go with Phoenix. I, so you brought up Kevin Durant. I love the fact that you guys have like you know found some some common ground. I saw you on Twitter post a video of you and Kevin Durant chopping it up. He's smiling. Clearly, he's heard you know some of the chirping you've done with Eddie Johnson on your radio program. I, I did enjoy seeing you guys together. Yeah, happy, happy go lucky. Oh, it was awesome because I kind of thought that he was going to handle it that way. And we've gone back and forth on Twitter before, and I've got words of action as he knew what I was saying because I was critical in going to Golden State. Uh, but he came over and he had skipped some other uh, media interviews that day. And he said, you think I was going to skip you? I wasn't going to skip you because uh, you'd be accusing me of being a coward. And he was <laughs> laughing and we had a good time. And it was just really enjoyable. And that's how most athletes are, just to send that message out to the uh, to the listeners. Like most guys, especially like old school guys, they they don't mind if you criticism, if you think it's fair, and if you like address them and like admit that you criticize them. That's what I did with Durant. He handled it uh, tremendously. And then there are guys in the league like LeBron who will walk by the set when I'm there, and he'll fist bump my uh, co-host Eddie Johnson. He'll fist bump all the uh, producers, and then he'll just walk by me Ooh. like he doesn't see me. But you know what that does? It allows me to know that I'm bothering him inside his head because I'm not part of the media contingent that just bows down to him so they can get a quote from him or his agent Rich Paul. So. And you can tell you bother him a little bit, whereas Durant, he's confident enough in himself to say, you criticize me, it's water off my back. So you mean that Rich Paul was doing that promotion and he didn't stop by uh, NBA Today to, to, to promote his book? 
No, I'm not a PR person. Like, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I don't know if I'm a journalist either, but I'll ask tough questions. And, uh, you know, Rich just wanted to do something, I'm, I'm thinking, where it was like, here's my book. I'm trying to sell it, promote it, and, and also tell, tell everybody how LeBron's the greatest player in the, in the history of the world. Uh, and, and it's funny. I go to your Twitter. Your last tweet is shockingly criticizing LeBron. LeBron. <laughs> Wait, so he. I've, I've pulled back a little bit on the criticism of LeBron. Wait, that's so many radio, by the way. So I'm, 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 I'm trying to picture this. So he walks by. He says hello to Eddie Johnson. Obviously, former player. They've got Eddie Johnson's a big LeBron guy. I, I've had arguments with Eddie yeah. Johnson. And he just acts like you're not, like. What did you? What was it that did it? That fractured whatever relationship there was, or if there. I any... don't know. I interviewed him. I interviewed him years ago, and it was fine. Uh, and that was like after his decision. But uh, you know, I like if he just fist bumped Eddie, it would be fine. If you look out, he knows Eddie, likes Eddie, whatever. But the point is, he goes out of his way to like fist bump <laughs> all the producers as well. He has no clue who they are, but he's like, "Hey, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing?" And he won't look at me. But it doesn't bother me. I don't care. <laughs> have you ever said something like, "Because I know you, you've got the sarcasm just lined up, ready to go." You have never met like a, a snarky comment. No, I like maybe like if I said something like when I'm on air, I'll say it on air as he's walking by to like try and get his attention. But it's usually like when we're live or something like that. Uh, so no, I mean I don't have any trouble. So like I love talking to Durant. I was looking forward to talking to Durant, despite the fact that I criticized him. Uh, you know, I thought it was you know I, it was fun. But uh, you know, I, I you know I, I don't know if LeBron's got a sense of humor about himself. Maybe he does. <laughs> you know what? Uh, listen, I appreciate you. We go way back. I- I was the uh, silly little part-timer who no one cared about, and somehow you doing your fancy radio show found time for me during breaks to argue with me every single day about Kevin Durant's legacy. So we go way back, man. I appreciate you, bro. Now you look. Now look at you. Got your own show in the the biggest city in the world. How about that? Yeah, man. God is good. Yo. So last thing before you head out of here, you you mentioned cashback because you are a Yankee fan. Well, what are your thoughts about what's happened? I, I want to get your take. Oh, I won't. I won't go to the stadium. I'm not giving my money to that organization. Uh, it's the. It used to be the. Uh, you know, one of the most difficult jobs to hold on to because there were expectations. Uh, and now there are none. This guy's got a job for life. I do like what the Mets did where they make changes. Hey, uh, we expect certain things. We're not getting those results. There'll be changes made. You saw the Red Sox with their general manager. We expect results, uh, and we're going to change things up. And you're looking at an organization where it looks to, looks to me like they're just happy with the fact that they're pulling in a ton of money. They're the New York Yankees, and they don't need to win. So it's a situation where, listen, there are plenty of other options in New York City. You can go to a Knicks game. You can go to a Mets game. Uh, you can go walk through Central Park. You can go to a play. You can go out to eat. I'd recommend doing something like that until the Yankees make a change with their general manager. You'd like to do something with ownership, but you can't do anything there because they're not going to sell the team. But, you know, there was, you know, the, they used to have the best owner in the city. Now they've got the worst owner. But wow. it's not getting my money, and I hope that other people feel the same and don't give their money to an organization that doesn't care about the industry. Wow. These takes and more you can find at Termini Radio on Twitter. He does a great job, you know, carrying the load on NBA Today uh, with Eddie Johnson. That's 4 to 7 Eastern. Next week should be fun. You've got the Lakers in Denver to take on the Nuggets. Uh, that's Tuesday night, followed by Kevin Durant for the first time back in the Bay Area. 
area with fans because the last time he was there, there were no fans. So that should be a fun doubleheader. And Justin Termini, Eddie Johnson uh, will keep you locked and loaded throughout the NBA season. Looking forward to it, man. Appreciate you coming on the program. All the best to you during the regular season, man. I appreciate you having me, Italian. Keep uh, using your platform there where you're talking to millions of people to hold Brian Cashman accountable. I oh, I will. I will, man. Appreciate you, Justin. That's JT. He brings it. He always brings it. Appreciate him joining the program. A quick update. Jordan Schultz reporting uh, Giants quarterback Daniel Jones listed as questionable with a neck injury. Not expected to play Sunday versus the Commanders. Uh, he says, I'm told the team is cautiously optimistic he will be ready week eight versus the Jets. Tyrod Taylor gets his second consecutive start for the G-Men. 800-919-3776. Back to your phone calls when we return right here on 987 ESPN. Pat O'Keefe is going to be handling the pregame duties. I believe my guy Don LaGreca is on the call. So looking forward to uh, listening to them on the drive home. 800 919 Three seven seven six. I find it so interesting as we transition back to uh, the football conversation. Gonna play in around a couple minutes uh, with our producers. I find it so interesting that it, how quickly we jump on the bandwagon of you know Tyrod Taylor. Because I mentioned before the break, looks like he's gonna get his second consecutive start uh, for the Giants tomorrow at home against the Commanders. Daniel Jones still dealing with the uh, neck injury. And there's some optimism he could return in week eight next week against the Jets. But Tyrod's going to get the start. It Quickly, the narrative changes. Just six weeks ago, we were wondering if this guy could be the second-best quarterback in this conference, build some momentum off of what happened last year. And now a bunch of people are just like, well, does Tyrod Taylor actually give us the best chance to win? There were callers doing it. Giant fans, I'm sure, are out there wondering. I, I, I'll say this, too. Mike Tannenbaum, he weighed in on it because he was on ESPN Radio, uh, and he said that the Giants, or actually this was Barton Hahn, he said the Giants might be better off with Taylor. I'm not so sure they're not better off with Tyrod Taylor right now. I mean, would you rather have Tyrod Taylor and $36 million or Daniel Jones? Like, I don't even think it's close. Like, I thought Tyrod played really well. I think Daniel Jones was struggling. So I'm really not in a rush to bring Daniel Jones back. And uh, I want to see what I have in Tyrod Taylor, who I thought played exceptionally well against Buffalo uh, the other night. I'll say this. At no point did I watch that game last Sunday night against the Bills and think that Tyrod Taylor was the solution. To the question that the Giants have on offense, where they've now gone multiple games without scoring an offensive touchdown, which is just an embarrassment. They're the worst offense in football. But I also at no point watching that felt like they were missing Daniel Jones on the center. Now, certainly you would love to think that he's not going to make that mistake prior to the, the end of the first half where they get no points. Tyrod checks to a run play, and they had no shot with no timeouts to, to you know, to, to spike the ball or get a field goal. But you would, you look at the line last week, didn't really change once the announcement of uh, Daniel Jones's injury came down. Giant fans, at least from what I've heard, don't really feel like better or worse about their potential to win a football game based on his availability. And I think it's a it's a hair disrespect because he he, he was pretty good last year, thirty two hundred yards, twenty two total touchdowns. Nothing right home about forty million dollars. He's overpaid. That that's for sure. But it's just funny how fast life comes at you. This guy won a playoff game last year, 
and six weeks into the season, we've got a former GM saying, yeah, I think they might be better with Tyrod Taylor, journeyman, backup quarterback, who prior to last week had gone 22 months without starting in an NFL game. I, 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 I don't agree with that. I think Daniel Jones is part of the solution at least this year. As far as long term, there is a conversation to be had, a very fair one about if the Giants will be better off drafting a quarterback if they're in position to do so. I think that's on the table. I think they should go in that direction because it has to give you some enthusiasm, thinking about Brian Dable, getting his guy in here, being able to nurture him with his offensive acumen, seeing that he's had success building up a quarterback before. That, to me, would lead you to believe that the Giants would go in that direction and it would be the right move. But right now, as far as winning games, Daniel Jones still gives you the best opportunity to do so. 800-919-3776. We'll get back to the phone calls and the NFL talks on baseball as well. But coming up next, play in or out with the producers. And we'll do that right here on 9870 ESPN.